relax. Those beats mean you're now listening to the very real people in places that supply your high. This is Grown Local with Billy Wayne Davis and Mike McGowan. Well, that was something we always uh, were conscious of at the uh, at high times is that the government definitely read it. Um, oh for yeah, sure. DEA, Department of Justice. So, like, yeah, we definitely, uh, I could say, did not get anybody in trouble in uh, my tenure there. Very proud of that. <laughs> did they ever come, like, just blatantly the government? Just be like, hey, to the office or anything, or like contact you guys. So, uh, well, I mean, not not my story to tell, but a public story. A guy I work with uh, got swept up in a multi-state federal weed case while I was working there. Um, so there was that. <laughs> they didn't now they didn't raid the office, but they raided his house and they perp walked him and all that. Um, so it certainly was a uh, less than uh, we weren't not not paranoid around that time period. But the only time oh, when I worked there that somebody from the government came was they took an ad for a book about how to fake your own death basically and the <laughs> fbi showed up and we're like we'd very much like to talk with the author of this book <laughs> and, and and we were His like name's tupac shakir uh we don't know <laughs> bill hicks or any yeah number of people. exactly yimmy um, hendrix <laughs> but you had to get literally through the lawyer's office it was like a railroad apartment, you know what I mean? Uh -huh. First, you had to go through the lawyer's office before you could reach the magazine office. So they never made it, you know, uh, we had that that going all the time. That's That sounds very purposeful. That's... Yeah. <laughs> all I, I wish there was a slide uh, down the back of the building out onto Park Avenue, but uh you you that was also the old, well, there was a freight elevator. So I was going to yeah. say, or like some, maybe some some fire escape yeah that's we a, would go down a... there was a there was a period of time where we would have to go out on the fire escape to smoke weed then walk down 16 flights of stairs come back in take the elevator up uh <laughs> I, that magically show back up at work twice in a row without having left <laughs> my buddy <laughs> that reminds me what time my buddy's like a he was working for this law firm in like midtown Atlanta. And it was the bar. This is when we both drank in our twenties and he worked for some fancy, you know, this is a buddy I've known for years. Bar shuts down. He's like, we can go to my office. And I didn't understand that lawyers just have booze in there. That's all they do is read and drink. I was like, if I understood what this really was, I would have went to school. I, ah, oh, I didn't know. But I was like, can I smoke weed in here? He's like, absolutely not. That is, mm -hmm. no. <laughs> I was like, but there's so, he's like, you're exactly, he's like, there's probably cocaine in here. Sure. But you cannot smoke. And I was like, okay, I'll go in the stairwell. He's like, that's fine. I'm not a big building guy. That thing shut. We're on the 18th floor. I smoked my thing and come back and I was like, oh, just all the way down. <laughs> and then i have to there's a guy at the bottom you know at the thing and i was like can i get up he's like what happened i was like i, I went to smoke weed in the stairwell <laughs> <laughs> oh, sounds like he really broke you with an extensive interrogation and he was just well he was like a, you know he's like a dude like us yeah. he was just like he started laughing he's like no i watched you i watched you in the thing and i was like oh, oh yeah <laughs> He's like, you still high? I was like, not really. I just walked down 18 flights of stairs. <laughs> he's laughing. So then he's like, let me up. But my buddy's like, where did you go? I was like, well, I left my cell phone in the thing. I just went in there. And... Oh, but I, yeah, that is a New York problem. That is. 
So was, I have so good. many times, so many questions about that. Because it's not the same thing. High times, it's not the same thing anymore. Uh, that's very clear. Magazines. <clears throat> some magazines are kind of the same. Some aren't. But high times for sure isn't. And, but there was like, that time period you worked there was like a, like right before legalization, right before it was like medical was had. So it was like probably exciting. Many adventures. Yeah, it was adventure filled. So, so the magazine was started in 1974 before I was born, uh, despite yeah. how I look. <laughs> uh, <laughs> by a weed smuggler, by a radical political activist, by somebody who was really involved in the underground press movement of the time. Um, guy, a figure named Tom Frasad. He because of how much other shit he was involved in, he kept his name pretty low uh, during his lifetime, although it was known who he was. Um, so it really comes out of this radical publishing tradition and comes out of the weed movement of the 70s when people were still smuggling plane loads and boatloads in. Um, you know, it's not like some magazine company spun off a weed magazine it's got a very unique very outlaw history by the time i started working there it was this in-between period where uh medical was happening in california and a bunch of states but those dispensaries were still getting raided by the dea state legal california dispensaries so you know you had a glimpse of the future you certainly have plenty of outlaw shit going on. I primarily in the beginning, based on, you know, my journalism background was writing about people getting fucked over a lot. Um, the magazine covered cultivation and covered, you know, all strains and different aspects, but that's generally what I was writing about at that time. So that really sticks with me, you know, it's still going on in, in most states or at least half of the states it's still going on and even where it's not we can't ever remember I, I, we can't ever forget how much they fucked with us you know what they put people through you know not to drag it all down but like we all know um and we it was all over this beneficial plant so like the idea that the government is gonna target people for these horrible outcomes over a plant that is actually great medicine that just informs my view of the world and then yeah we started to while i was there more and more states legalizing for medicinal use i was there when colorado and washington which is just 10 years almost to this month uh voted to legalize for adult use we started throwing cannabis cups all over the United States, which I think I was uh, telling you guys, like my best memories of it is there'd be like, it was this cross section where you'd have a booth of people blaring super loud, obnoxious hip hop. And then an 85 year old hippie lady trying to talk about ointments that'll help your arthritis. And then like Russian mobsters uh, with, with weird logo jackets uh yeah. you know all at these same super chaotic pretty much anarchistic type you were uh, throwing a bizarre frogs. more than a cup <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was very uh very bizarre uh and then you know now as you alluded to people a few a few years ago came in and bought it and you know as far as i'm concerned with much evidence um you know they're pretty scammy uh hedge fundy douchebaggy people and it's it's a real shame and i do know one person who works there who i still like and respect and i'm not trying to paint the brush against anybody who might be working there but in terms of who owns and operates it how they're treating people uh how they're treating the community uh, I don't fucks with them anymore. And it's it's to see it go from, uh, 
radical political activist involved in underground publishing to uh, scam artist, corporate bullshit people. Um, yeah, it's it's a shame. I think the hardest part about that, too, is just the culture vultures that are now coming in and just feeding upon everything where people were going to jail. People were putting their lives on and, you know, on the line. And now it's just all these people coming in and being like, all right, let's just pick the skeleton clean. Let's take everything out of it that we can monetize it and then you know whatever we'll dump it when it doesn't make sense anymore and to hear you know stories from people like you and from other people who put a lot in to make this happen i remember just being in a little bit in jersey you know in the early 2000s just being like oh this is what weed looks like like that's what sparks the dream to make me dedicate you know the majority of my life to growing cannabis and to have something like that just be whittled away to that it's it's a little heartbreaking. It, it is. On the on the flip side, there's a lot of cool stuff that has sprung up. You know, when I worked at High Times, or at least when I started, there wasn't a lot of other cannabis media by no matter how you kind of there were some good, you know, some good smaller magazines. Like I'm not dismissing them, but they didn't have any sort of cultural reach or impact. And now you know, people can really start their own things and and get their perspective out there. I think there's a lot more uh, representation, uh, you know, like uh, across the board, and that's really good. And there's room for narrow interest stuff. So if you're really, really interested in plant genetics and different strains, you can go, you know, High Times as a magazine, particularly in print, uh, had to reach a broad audience of people narrowly obsessed with weed, <laughs> um, you know, so you had to appeal to everybody who was obsessed enough with weed to spend money on uh, a magazine. And and now, uh, because things are so digital and open, like, I think that's all cool. I, I, I would love for somebody cool to end up with High Times and resurrect it to its glory. But I just kind of think of it as like, um, you know, it's a zombie version of itself. Uh, what if it, they hired me to run? <laughs> is this a, a I'm zombie being like, like, let's say for sure, like, you know, it, it was a very capitalistic, like, kind of vulture move who came in and got it but like what if they I, and i don't know who they are you know what i mean i don't i'm not just this is just fun hypothetical like would it be more fun to get that and then turn it back into like a radical kind of thing that it was where it has like that i, I don't know how much of that apparatus it still has set up or would it be more fun to start our own kind of version of that now? Under the current ownership, it's not going to be anything but what it is. Okay. Under new ownership, that was like, let's return it to its past glory. And it was always a fucked up. Every place is fucked up. I'm not like over glamorizing uh, it, but but... It's a publication. Somebody... That's insanity. Just the yeah. it's yeah. It's like hey, you want to open a publication or a comedy club? Rick? Either way, we're just it's just <laughs> let's drive this car off the bridge. Let's just well, yeah. The way you make a million dollars in publishing is by starting out with twenty million dollars. But <laughs> um, I I you know for my personal reasons, it's like you know I, I, so with doing great moments in weed history how Abdullah and I got there was I could I left high times because of these people that took it over we were working on a vice show called bong appetite together yeah. where I was producing he was the host and uh he decided we couldn't you know not to work with vice anymore because of how fucked up that place was um and so 
Well, they sold to, to, is that before or after they sold to Fox? Uh, after the, it, it was, they bought in, they didn't own it, but they had a big share. It was, you know, <laughs> there was a, a New York Times expose about everything horrible that was going on there at Vice. Um, and, and again, I worked with a lot of people who were great, who I loved. I'm proud of the show that we made. It's not that it's about, uh, a, a, you know, abusive employment practices. Oh, for, it was. So, the 22, 22, 20, yeah, it's a, mm-hmm. you're exactly right. So, so, you know, we looked at great moments in weed history as like something we could just start ourselves, you know, kind of getting back to your question. It's been a, a lot of fun to do what we want and to tell the stories that we want to tell and try to trust that there's an audience for authentic history and culture around cannabis, um, you know, and I've had way more fun doing that than I certainly would have staying at a place that I hated what what, what it became. Um, but I, I would love, I, you know, it would make me happy if somebody, if, if a new regime came in and uh, took over at high times, but I'm not, I'm only holding my breath to make sure I absorb all the thc but not not for that they don't have like a <laughs> an actual office headquarters now do they i honestly i don't even know at one point they were let me put it this way at one point they were operating out of the office of a hedge fund company so if that doesn't uh... oh. oh okay because i just I threw up a little like, bit in my mouth where's their dispensary at uh they have one in the oakland area that's branded you know that says high times on the side and they theoretically own a couple that i think are just like deals whatever (sighs) fascinating it's anyway but like i'm I'm, like because i'm like super energized a little bit because of material and then that place is just just as a okay, not as a cannabis connoisseur and cannabis appreciator, as a performer and as a music lover, the Matil Center is incredibly special. Like I didn't fully grasp it. I understood the history of it. And I knew the importance of it in that community and what it does. And I, you know, you look online at all the events, but like as a performer, you go in there and then as just like someone that appreciates a carpentry and design, it's because I'm not even over, I'm not over, I'm underselling it still at this point. It is one of the, I was trying to tell my wife, I was like, it's one of the coolest places. I was like, and next year, like we'll act, actually advertise and there'll be like a bunch of people there and i can't imagine how fun it can be when it's packed it would be overwhelming that kind of energy there but it's gonna be uh and then k-mud i was talking i was talking about it earlier today with a friend of mine where i was like it's i did radio in college and then thought about doing it after call you know before i found stand up and but it changed so fast it was what k-mud was when i first started like learning about it and then like you know doing like little tapes to see if like you could get a thing or learning how to do those tapes to send to program directors because it that's it had that feel of like what k-mud is which is like it's in this house Guys, we're going to release a video on the YouTube of it. It's like in this house, it, there's a studio here, there's another studio there, just this library of records and CDs and tapes. It's, it's the most beautiful place. And it is like what radio really should be. And I don't know how we can get it back, but it can work. I'm so inspired by it because it is like, I was like, this is. This is this is like you come every morning to morning show and you're like, hey, there's fog on this mountain. Be careful. It's like ah, uh, fog on this mountain or convoy of of 
uh, police going up this valley road and, you know, people would listen to K-Mud all day because they liked K-Mud, but because they were uh, waiting in case they were going to get that warning from this local radio station about police activity and the raids of farms and helicopters heading this or that way over the ridge. So, you know, it really comes out of the outlaw history of of that place. And then Mateel is the cultural history of that place. And it, it really like, you know, you, you criminalize this whole group of people, this whole region, you try to beat them down in all these different ways. Now, albeit, that's also why weed was five thousands of dollars a pound outdoor. Uh, but they use that money to make a beautiful place for them to hang out and have concerts and have meetings. And you know what I mean? It's 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 you wouldn't do that if you were the malevolent force that people make them out to be. And it really makes what, what gets me sometimes is when people are like, oh, well, I don't think anybody should uh, people, including our fucking president. Well, I don't think anybody should go to jail just for smoking or possessing weed. Well, where's it going to fucking come from? And it turns out it comes from people who really have great hearts and who really care about each other. And don't um, just grow weed. Yeah. They grow so much good stuff. Well, That's... and it's at, at the heart of it, it's the community. That's what it is. Because even there, it reminded me of the union halls that I had in Jersey growing up, except a lot less alcohol and weirdness and everything like that. But it like watching that movie there, watching the part of the documentary there you know it's like this is the place that fosters it it's where they can get together and be angry at the price per pound right now and openly talk about what it's doing to their community and keeping everybody informed and in. that stuff's so important it is cool and the food is good it's like real food they're like actually cooking that was it's not a concession it is a concession stand but it is not Cisco food does not go through that Mateel Center. It is you guys next. It'll be the first weekend in November. Uh, it's it's uh, Harvest Jubilee. It's where it's going to be bigger. We're going to do panels and we're going to do uh, some some music next year and then some comedy. Uh, we're just going to we've we'll get the kinks out this year. We'll probably live broadcast it. They'll remember that the day before. And but hey, can we? <laughs> it is so. That's one of and my. And we'll favorite. pre-negotiate the number of shits and fucks. <laughs> it is. But then when it goes live, then they'll just be like, "Hey, how about zero? And you're like, oh, "You guys can't just say that right before. <laughs> you can't be all like, "You can do what you want," and then right before, like, "You cannot do what you want. You cannot." <laughs> It was really fun. And also, it just is so funny, the Humboldt of it all, because it did. Like, David and I, and Mike too, we let everyone know weeks ahead of time, it seemed like. And they were just kind of like, all right, yeah, what? Uh? And then when, like, the week of, they're like, oh man, this is like cool. We should. And we're like, like the, it just that in that Humboldt way of like, why didn't you tell us? And we're like, we we told you a lot of times. <laughs> we told you a lot, but I understand it's a lot going on. You guys are in the forest. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, it's just like, oh man, we should do this. That's why, like, from the stage, I was like, we're gonna do this next year. I'm letting you guys know right now. Start telling people tonight about next year. And they were like, that is a good idea. That is <laughs> so funny. Word, word spreads fast during trim season. So it's, yeah, it's such a weird, uh, weird time of the year, too. And the hotel prices, that's why we stayed in Shelter Cove and the hotel prices were outrageous i was like what in the oh oh 
it's convention time in Garberville. Uh, <laughs> Mike and I have stayed there on normal days, and like when it's not, and you still like when you're going to get breakfast, you still hear, hear stuff like "I got two pounds of ice cream cake," and you're just like, "It's like seven thirty in the morning, you guys." You're not supposed to tell everybody that comes out of a room at the motel. <laughs> I don't think it. it's just there to say like I got nine pounds of gelato and you're like oh this is I'm just trying oh, to get that's the town crier though <laughs> I mean that's a very specific person <laughs> you get the news a few ads weather traffic <laughs> it is yeah well the first time we went I went to get coffee and the lady in there it was like a kind of diner place she was confused and I couldn't figure out what was confusing her so much. And then later it hit me. I was like, Oh, she just didn't know who I was. And I was there so early and probably like, she was just, she knows everyone. So that's why it just took me a day or so to be like, Oh, that's why she was confused. I was like, trying to figure out i was like i don't know what culture thing i've fucked up here but <laughs> i'm brand new and this i i could tell this is a unique place and the way you communicate here is not the way most people communicate so i'm not sure what i've done wrong but it was like and then i remembered i was like oh it's just a small town they're like who the fuck is this guy i don't know why is he how do you know we got coffee that's weird <laughs> so can I ask when, like, when the first time you went to Humboldt, like, what year, like, what were your, what was it like then? Cause, yeah. So I, I started working at uh, High Times, you know, in the 2000s. And I took uh, a little sabbatical to write a book. And I was down in Costa Rica for a few months at, uh, like an eco village farm kind of a place. You can just grid. say Costa Rica. That's all you gotta <laughs> say. I, I met these people and like we hung out. We're working on this farm and hanging out, smoking weed for months. And on the last day, uh, they're like, by the way, we got this. This is the winter. So they're like, by the way, we got this farm. We're down here for the winter hanging out, but you could come and, you know, hang out on the farm. Uh, so this must have been, I don't know, 2008, 2009. And it was a period of time where the medical cannabis laws in California at that time were pretty open to interpretation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was yeah. a true gray market. So you weren't as scared as you would have been in the sort of era of super intense helicopter raids, but you also weren't licensed and regulated the way you are now. So, you know, there was a certain golden age-ness about it. The prices were still... Uh, you were in Never Never Land there. Yeah, kind of. Kinda. I mean, not to me. I mean, not to overuse it, but that's what that was. It's like one of those times. It's like what we said. All three of us said in Matil was like, man, like seventy eight to like eighty three in this place, and just parties in the Matil. Like you were just like, if you could go back, I was like, yeah, we couldn't handle it. We would, our brains would. <laughs> But that's what Bob the, was, is gonna come and play for like three hundred people just because, like, <laughs> yeah, like Jerry Garcia was just like hanging out and just like here I'll play and like just dingbat show up and fuck on the floor. You know what I mean? Like that's <laughs> you're like yeah, that's why we built this. It <laughs> sure is. Fuck piles. <laughs> I um. So my I their 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 farm, you know, it wasn't very very big. It was very much off the grid at that point. Uh they didn't own the land. 
but they had, you know, a, a arrangement with the person who owned the land. And it was, you know, for me, I grew up on the East Coast. I grew up in New Jersey or whatever. It was a whole other world. And w one of the cool things is I, I, I went to take my first uh, defecation in a composting toilet. And next to the toilet, I see this stack of magazines. And those, it was Savage Henry's. And I, I, that's really how I got, like, fascinated with them. This was before they had the comedy club. Uh, they did a humor magazine, totally independent for like 10 years. Yeah. Um, and, and that was actually a much better window into what I had a vision of Humboldt of, of hippies on the floor while Jerry Garcia plays, uh, <laughs> at a hand built community center, which is part of it, but yes. as we know, not the entirety of it at all. And so sort no. of the dark humor of Savage Henry clued me into everything else that was going on it's that's such a good introduction because like my introduction was like that they're they had like a festival before they had a club and this friend of mine named chris garcia he's a great comic and writer the san francisco guy uh, he lives here now but uh he's like dude you should go you would really like this festival in humboldt county and i was like huh i mean yeah that sounds and i went and it is intense it is not a there's some comedy happening but it's a party is what it is <laughs> and the so the the baseball game's the famous part there's some yeah oh the wiffle ball game you mean it's, yeah. yeah it's just a it's a good like every year he's like you come to the festival i'm like no man i'm a grown-up now i can't uh i i will come play i come play the club proper every first weekend of november but but that dad wayne davis can't come to the festival anymore but it that dark sense of humor i really dug and then i was fascinated that they could publish a magazine like that was, I was so, I was like, how was this? And that made me intrigued with the whole county because I was like, so how does this work? And, you know, they couldn't super explain it because they weren't sure of like, you know, like anyone publishing anything. <laughs> They're like every month it happens. And I was like, and I wrote, I would write stuff and send it. Like there's, I was published in there a couple of times because like, like you, like, I love all that stuff and Hunter S. Thompson, all that kind of just it's it's like radical stuff is what it is. And that's what that magazine is. And then they're like, yeah, it's getting harder to publish. I was like, yeah, I bet it's insane. Like, but like you said, like they had people like in the heyday just being like, we put out an ad being like, fuck you to tim over there on that hill and you're like that is yep. kind of that's kind of great <laughs> that went down a little bit with the five thousand dollar uh a pound price but you know they got the club going now and there's just you know a lot of heart and uh kind of a, a good representation of the cross currents of the place because you know there's going to be tourism there and that and that it's, it's like there's murder mountain and and so they went all the way in the other direction yeah they did and they they took things and i thought you you know not to take your line but i thought when you said well that's just hillbilly stuff that's you know, hillbilly that's, bullshit it's just hillbilly yeah. bullshit it has, it's not special to humboldt that part is it and that's just this you know the sensationalism like i understand you know the media i i, I part of the media but like that's just such a disservice as much of a disservice as people are going to take people on tours just like it's wine country and they're going to take them to beautiful farms and they're going to have a delicious meal of 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 locally grown ingredients and the local wine and go to the coast and hike through fern canyon and that's a true experience of humboldt as well but you're not really going to know what the fuck's going on either. Nope. 
and 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 you know I, I it takes some time to get kind of let in if you really want to get the the weed culture and it's also a place we talked about this a little bit where like where the extreme left and right know each other by name and have done weed deals together <laughs> and 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 that's special yes like as somebody like i i feel you know i, I i'm not religious but like i'm jewish and like if i'm in certain places that tick a few boxes i get a little nervous you know what i mean and i'm not saying there's no element of that They're in not, humboldt county no one's gonna kill you they might like put you in a box for a little bit but like no <laughs> one's gonna kill you <laughs> they're gonna tick my box but just like, you know, i just feel like what is this some, it's a good model of like if we're ever gonna work some of this shit out and realize that like the common enemy is not a political one it's this system of capital you know like i feel like people kind of get that in humboldt because they've been forced to coexist and when the hippies went up there because land was cheap and you could grow remotely and get away with it well the people who lived up there already had already been burned by the logging industry they'd already been burned by the fishing industry they got the deal with capitalism and started growing weed too. And, and it doesn't mean it changed their minds about everything to do with politics, but when you know people and you work with people and you have a face on people who don't agree with you, you're gonna see them differently. And like, that's another thing that I think is pretty, pretty valuable up there and something that like, uh you know they export a lot of weed and that is great and i think if they could export that kind of coexist you know not the coexistence that's like a bumper sticker that really means well i think this but like that real idea that you gotta fucking put up with some people even if you don't like everything about them we've talked about how like the the golden age of cannabis was when the hippies and the uh, rednecks started you know having babies together like the 2009 you know like that time period that's when it was like oh this is the second generation they've all gone to school together you know their kids are playing with each other's kids and then the the rednecks will help you figure out how to make light death a, a possibility with your hoop houses they're like yeah you just put that crank and like you know it it really took it to a whole nother level and made some fun uh, fun strains of cannabis <laughs> yeah rednecks are pretty cool they just don't you don't need they should they don't need to do politics let's just be honest they're cool <laughs> it's not their thing it's not not why and i don't whoever but be like what do you think about this like no no you do ask them about like hey what gear should go together here and they're like oh this one you need me to fix one or manufacture one i can make one and you're like yes and they're like what do you think about this philosophy you're like stop it do not ask them that it's not their <laughs> thing we don't talk to them about philosophy or anything like it's that is a good point that is coming from where I come from. That is what we can learn from small town America more than anything else is how to coexist with motherfuckers. You know, you've known since third grade and you disagree on how to do most things, but you're never unhappy to see them. There is some beauty in that. That I don't know where we've lost, but that part is like, oh, I just, everything they do, I do not. It's just, it, I'm always fascinated they're alive every day because I'm just like, oh, they do it wrong, everything. But then you're also like, <laughs> like, hey, you're fun. Remember that time in sixth grade we did that? Yeah, it's fun. Also, you leave 30 minutes before I'm going to leave because I do not like being on the road with you. You are a dangerous, like, <laughs> <laughs> but then also, like, hey, 
I need some. I need a door made, and that dude makes doors better than anyone in this town. So he's gonna make the door for us. That's like that is. The cities have it too, but it's like in neighborhoods get to know each other. But it, it is a. I don't know. I do think that they're you're onto something about about the living in the farm community part of just being like, oh no, he's. Mm-mm. where we should just the internet really did I don't know who said this but they're like it gave everyone a voice and it should not have given every we shouldn't have it's one of those being, things being, that, being it's one the... of those philosophies that sounds nice but then in practice right, we can't be <laughs> listening being to being the loud mouth down at the end of the bar used to just be kind of the talk radio you, you, you know what i mean even if you I, I i i i don't drink tons but like i like to go into a dive bar you know more than any other kind of bar and yeah some somebody's mouthing off and talking <laughs> shit and it's like i don't have to agree with them and it might be entertaining for a little while but i don't think we should elevate that person to the arbiter of culture no you know no yeah it's, yeah exactly like hey who gave that that guy's uncle a radio show you're like he needs to be just at the end of the bar saying like just half thoughts of like half the article he read or heard would just which is just a filter of in a projection of what he's mad about it's something else but they have weaponized that and it is dangerous we're like they don't need power they need a truck they just need a truck to drive around or a bulldozer they don't need political power <laughs> just yeah it is nah what are you gonna do everyone has cte uh <laughs> that's i think that's why us three are like hey humboldt's nice and quiet right and there's this mountain you have to drive over to get to the ocean. So it's really hard. <laughs> that Shelter Cove is unlike any. It's it's literally like a beach on the side of a mountain. Like that's the weird part. It's just how dramatically going down the side of a mountain it is. And then it's like you're right on the beach. It's just like, oh, there's nowhere to go if there's a tsunami. huh? It's like, nope. You go that's up, it. dude. What are you talking about on that one road that's going to be packed real quick <laughs> i ain't talking about driving motherfucker <laughs> i'm i'm sprinting up that hill if the tsunami's coming we are we're i ain't wait oh honk honk hey where's the doors open where's billy oh <laughs> i'm more of a wanderer out in the woods my knees can handle a sprint up the mountain <laughs> this is what i've been doing endurance training for this tsunami that happened. <laughs> it was like when we went i know this is not a great podcast you guys where we're just like remember that time we were doing this last weekend <laughs> but it was i am trying to sell like when we drove up to shelter cove and then that where the guys were surfing down there like that lead it was not it was a cliche but it did take my breath where i was like oh oh my god i did not and you warned us you're like it this is nothing in this one place and i was like okay this is awesome where the rocks were and the rock and then the waves kept coming higher and higher and the wind was blowing you guys it's, it's like the start of like a stephen king movie it's beautiful mm-hmm. and then there's like a little landing strip and then a golf course that does not belong there. It is the funniest shit you've ever seen. <laughs> and then you drive around to the, there's like, it reminded me of Alaska, the way they had to keep certain boats, not in the water. Uh, and it didn't occur to me. And then you go around this and all of a sudden it's just like, down. there's a road down and you just see these cliffs. And then, there were people surfing and then the waves kind of hit this and there was like a beach and then just cliff into the beach. And then Slee and I went the next morning and the waves were already all the way to the rocks. So there was no beach in the morning. 
you couldn't drive down there. That's I was like, coolest. Like, what in the hell? I was like, yesterday there was, <laughs> there was cars on a beach, and then today it's just nothing. Yeah, sorry. I'm I'm not even doing it justice. It doesn't. I want to go back. I was. It's crazy. Did you leave your We should book that. We should book that Airbnb now for next year. (laughs) We don't want to get boxed out. Nope. (laughs) That was my favorite too. Is everybody's like, "Whose Airbnb are you renting?" And I was like, "What? I don't know." (laughs) I didn't know who they were, but they all knew. They all knew who's like the handful of people had Airbnbs there, and was just like, "All right, you guys, that's small town." Well, then they. The they people like did you guys lose a license? And I was like, I don't. Wait, a driver's license? Yeah, that's my driver's license. Oh, yes, did you? I did lose it. Okay. Are you then, serious? Do they have it? They have it. Yeah. Oh, we're break. This is breaking news. I'm actually <laughs> going to the DMV tomorrow to get a new one. But I mean, we did totally... they not say the name or? <laughs> no, they didn't say the name, and then we figured that since you were flying to Seattle that you, it wasn't an issue. So I was, just I, like, I, I don't... stopped home. I got my passport. Uh-huh. I thought I dropped it <laughs> getting gas on the way. The All right. Guy, well, I'll ask him. I'll say I, I, I hope they're not like stealing my identity. Let's try to <laughs> try to get eyes on that. I'll, I'll send them something after this. Be like, Hey, that is one that, do you still have that license? That's okay. Oh, that's so funny. I brought that. What if I'd never brought that up? That's so. <laughs> There's probably like a, a warrant out for my arrest in Humboldt County right now. <laughs> I you'd have to really mess up, I think, for them to be looking for you in Humboldt. <laughs> that's, oh, I didn't say they're looking for me. Just just a warrant. This I, is still, I still think just to get even to get yeah. a warrant and humble. That's paperwork. Like, that's what I made. Like you've been in Eureka where they're like, I just they're not doing a whole lot here. No one's moving. That's that is the best like because I got introduced to Humboldt, like northern Humboldt first, which is like you said, like not in a bad way. It is a darker kind of place just because of the landscape and the way that setup is and then to southern humboldt we're like this is a totally different world out here it's it's truly magical and different and its own and then shelter cove just seems like it's like they exist in this other like it's like it's like they list they live on like the edge of the earth it's not really part of the world. Have you ever seen that movie Dark City? It made me think of that. Nope. It's this amazing science fiction movie, but it's it's a flat earth. It's a spaceship that aliens are running. But like the end of the earth is just this cliff and the ocean. And one guy finally makes it out to it. And I was like, oh, this kind of reminds me of that. Is this real? Is life real? Are we on a spaceship? What's happening? We are. It's Earth, man. <laughs> not flat though that bothers me mm-hmm. i like david's high as fuck right now so <laughs> i have to remember sometimes our guests where i'm like oh man are they bored no they're not bored they're just high um but <laughs> this has been a fucking good ass episode uh david will you come back i want to can we start a publication could we do that I yeah do well, something. we're gonna we'll, we'll talk off mic yeah, I've got to quit. I get excited. Giving, giving this all away. Working with creative people, and then I pitch ideas, and people are like, that's a good idea. We should not broadcast that. People will do it. So, <laughs> so Slee's got his work cut out for him on this. He's going to have to actually edit this episode. <laughs> so that's what you get, Slee. Sometimes you got to do your job. <laughs> uh thank tell everybody where they can find you and all that uh well primarily please check out great moments in weed history podcast which i do with abdullah saeed we've been doing it about four years so we have it's awesome like thank you we have like 90 different history stories 
Willie Nelson smoked a joint on the roof of the White House, all the way up to uh, weed in the Bible and everything in between. I thank you. I have a book called How to Smoke Pot Properly. Uh, and I do have a website that's just my name, davidbeatonstock.com. But I just say primarily check out the podcast. And uh, if you dig it, uh, let us know. Please, guys. It's really great. It's like, like I was a fan before I even knew who you were. Like personally. Just, a, just yeah. had Bob Snodgrass on it too, right? Yeah, we did the Bob Snodgrass story, the OG uh, mm-hmm. glass That's blower. Eugene famous, yeah, very, yeah. very Eugene famous. Eugene's own, and we, we that one was live at the uh, Helium Comedy Club in Portland, so it was fun to do a, a live show. That's a great room, Helium, and that's a, that Portland Helium is a really great room. Portland's just great. Period. We had a smoke out after the show that I think we retained. 80% of the crowd and Whoa. lasted uh 110% as long as the actual show we put on. <laughs> All right. All right, when I do stand up there, I'm going to try to beat that. Beat that record. That's great. That'd be fun. That'd be like, I even if we don't, everyone still wins. Yeah. Did you go to Pharma? There's a Yeah, we went after. That's a great it's like I have to say like Portland really does dispensaries really well. If I'm being honest, like they do it that one. And then there's like Sarah, which is downtown is like, I don't know if hipster is the right word, but it's like minimalist in this really interesting way. And the way they present everything was, it was thoughtful for someone that actually uses cannabis on the regular. And I think that's what Portland does really you know, they do that well in every, you know, food and coffee and all that. They do that really. It's cannabis is not to toot Portland's horn because they love it's that. It's well shit. tooted. It but is I so love tuted. when people, it's like, I think people, you know, make fun of that and it's, it's a good joke and a good laugh and stuff. But sometimes it's just like, so you don't like good coffee? You don't like good food? <laughs> like <this? laughs> Yeah, you kind of go like, I'm not a rich man, but I can. It's awesome here. I can buy some good coffee, you know? (laughs) Just being a New Jersey kid, it's like, oh, they have a really good high quality of life. That's all it is. It's just like good food, good weed, good coffee. Fuck yeah. Well, there's good, uh, there's great venues, there's great shopping, everything. Like, I shouldn't blow it up because it'll, we'll ruin it, but it's, it's yeah portland sucks don't go there it's the worst actually go to seattle it's great (laughs) uh all right guys grow your own thank you guys so much for listening